So I start, I grab the broom and I start gyrating up against the broom and I get a little laugh and that's like, you know, red rag to a bull. It's like, oh, great. So I really went for it and <laughs> I thought they're loving it. They are loving it. So I thought I'm just going to try and sort of swing around it like it is, you know, like I'm a pole, like I'm on a pole. And I sort of really weirdly kind of jumped up and hugged my legs round it and sort of balanced there for a couple of seconds, but then it snapped clean in half and I just hit the deck. Hello, this is your host, Graham Rooney, and welcome to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod. The podcast where I take you down the pub and we meet a performer, have a drink and find out the tiddly truth. You only get in a pub. I'll be chatting to fantastic performers at all different points of their careers, discussing where they've come from, career-defining moments, and of course, guilty pleasures. All whilst having a laugh and getting a wee bit pissed. Fancy a pint with a pop star? A whiskey with your West End idol? Or a mojito with a magician? Then join me down the pub. So, without further ado, let's head down to the local and see which one of the nation's top performers is in there tonight. Pint please, mate. Thank you very much. This week, I'm very happy to say I'm joined by the delightful and very funny Laura Checkley. She's appeared in quite the catalogue of top-notch comedy shows, such as W1A, This Country, Red Dwarf, and more recently, starring in King Gary, The Detectorists, and hit movie Military Wives. As well as chatting about all of this, I'll of course find out about those awful audition moments, and when things have gone, well, tits up. Laura Checkley. Hello and welcome to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. I'm very well. Splendid. What are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a little uh, a little San Miguel. I say little, it's just a bottle. A San Miguel? Open. Yeah. I'm on a San Miguel as well. You're joking, are you? No, seriously. Oh, I love it. I call them a little San Migs. Yeah, I love a San Miguel. I do. I'm a bit of a, a lager connoisseur. A lot of people... Don't think you can be a lager connoisseur. Everyone just thinks it's the same. But me personally, I think that you know there's a different. Of course, there is. Yeah, of course. People just like, to, but they're snooty about beer, aren't they? Some people are snooty about beer, but I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big wine drinker. Um, but is that just volume or or a connoisseur? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm not know. a connoisseur. I know what I like and what I don't like, but then I just stick to the same wines. Um, I like a red wine, but um, I don't know. Wine's not going down so well in lockdown. So just having the odd beer at, at the beginning of lockdown, I was drinking quite a lot. It would get to a choo- get to Tuesday, and I'd be like, "Oh, I think I deserve that drink now." <laughs> um, <laughs> had a long week. Yeah, I've had a long had a long uh, uh, seventy eight hours. Yeah, I so it got a bit much with the wine. Um, so I've gone to the beer, and it's nice because I sip it slower. Um, and I have two, and that's my lot at the moment. I'm taking it quite easy at the moment. That's very conservative of you. Very well done. I know. Well, um, the thing is, I, I, I did. I finally saw my parents this weekend. I haven't seen them in five months. And yeah, and it, it just felt obviously safe to go over. Sat in the garden for most of it, and we we had a few wines, and I felt dreadful the next day. I feel like the old constitution's not quite as good as it was at the beginning of lockdown. So, it's, but it's a jump. It is a fair jump up. I tell you, when I was at drama school, the only time I ever drank wine, I I like I had quite a few pints as I would usually. Then I had half a bottle of white wine, and I was gone. Yeah, I was do you know what? White wine's bad if you're not drink if you if you're not used to drinking wine. Never, white I'd never worse. drank it. Yeah. Oh my god. So, I was bladdered. Um, sorry, mother, were. if you're listening to this and you've never heard that your son was bladdered, but there's the truth. The fact <laughs> of the matter was, you know, I have been drunk. Um, there's a confession already out there. <laughs> so talking, talking about drinking a lot, um, that takes me back to where we met um, at the wonderful Edinburgh 
friend. Oh, it chews you um, up and it spits you out <laughs> as an alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> you spat out and your your skin and you're an alcoholic. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's brutal no matter what. But um, that yeah. is certainly where, um, for me, that was the first time I ever met you. It was the same uh, venue uh, that I was at. Uh, and you were in the, the was it Carrick? Character sketch act, would you say, Checkley and yeah. Bush? Do you know what? That was our third Edinburgh that we met you guys, but we were aware of you right from our uh, first year because you guys were, you were like big sellouts, weren't you? Not sellout, that sound, but you, you sold out all the time. It was really tough to get a ticket to your shows. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, hate, like <laughs> impossible. Um, no, I mean, uh, we we did have we had a cracking time um, at Edinburgh. We were uh, very fortunate in the fact. Um, I think uh, we're like giant posters of uh, us in our Y front seemed to draw the crowds, <laughs> even although we didn't have good bodies in any any way, shape, or form. That was part of the pull, though. It's like, oh, who are it. these three? Like, no, it was. Um, it's a funny. It's a funny t- time. Actually, you guys are a bit of a saviour when we met you guys we were having a bit of a tough year that year it was kind of like well it was our our final Edinburgh year before we kind of went our separate ways but just got a bit much for us financially and um yeah it's brutal we just couldn't because you know what it's like if Edinburgh you either have a really great time or you're somewhere in between and lost a bit and not quite selling the shows and I mean like when you said oh we had a great time it was very rare for us to have a good time in Edinburgh (laughs) we just we just struggled a lot and I think like we I think we our first year we did really well we're at the Gilded Balloon and we had a we had a really good time and I think people just like oh who are these two girls yeah um and then second year we were skints we did the free fringe and we sort of got lost a bit there but we were kind of reworking the show a bit and ourselves as a package and blah 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 so that was kind of fine that we slipped under the radar and we had an amazing time actually it's probably one of our favorite years because the pressure financially was off us um, and then that, that that year that we met, you know, sort of became friends with you guys, was a tough year. And um, my comedy partner <laughs> sounded almost like it was us. <laughs> no, no, but I said you guys. It was like lovely to yeah. meet you guys. You were like the highlight of that year because it was like, oh, we've made some friends. <laughs> Vix was filming um, Waterloo Road, so she was like coming down from Glasgow. Yeah. That's where they were filming, and then I was flyering in the day with a few other people that we paid to fly up um and then she'd just get there and do the show and she'd head back out to film in the morning again so the last year was a bit tough and really not that fun and but then we met you guys and it was yeah ended up being quite nice in places but it's funny isn't it Edinburgh it's a funny funny experience for everyone has a different experience yeah no it definitely it, it it makes and breaks you and you can have wonderful experiences but um I mean, some sometimes you can go out there and there's virtually no audience there. It can be pouring with rain. I've had many issues. I mean, in the caves where our cave got flooded out and we had no costumes and stuff like that. Um, did you yeah. have any particular uh, occasions where there was uh, things went seriously wrong on stage or the wonderful Scottish audience uh, dis- decided to shout out at you or anything? I... I think oh I tell you what in our in our second year doing the free fringe we didn't really know what we were doing we never knew what we were doing we sort of arrived on the sketch circuit going I think this is what we did we never sort of gigged five minutes um, and got it and honed it and got it good we just sort of put an hour together did a show to our mates everyone told us we were brilliant and off we went to Edinburgh thinking we were going to win the Foster's Comedy Award <laughs> it's um, in the bag yeah and it was the complete opposite no we um but in the second year we obviously went to do the free fringe because we were obviously figuring stuff out and trying to save money mostly because as you know it's it's really tough producing like I mean we were in such debt from that first show um because we'd just gone all out um that we were like right okay we'll do the free fringe so we did it for three weeks we didn't do the four weeks for some reason but we just did three weeks anyway sort of in the in the sort of end of the second week uh, we started getting really, like in the second week, started getting really good crowds because, of course, you can just walk in. And we were quite rowdy, so people would hear it and go, oh, look, what's up? What's going on in there? And they'd, so we, we ended up being really full on the free fringe. Yeah. Um, and we had next door to us Carrie Ad Lloyd, who that year got nominated. 
and she was doing her free fringe. She was packed and she said, oh, how's it going, girls? We're just having a chat. And yeah, yeah, good. And she said, oh, how much money are you sort of getting, you know, every day? Because you guys are packed. And we went, what do you mean? <laughs> she went, well, do you have a little hat by the door? And we were like, no. Can you do that? She was like, well, yeah, yeah, you can, you can, like, you can just say at the end of your show, obviously it's free, but if you feel like you want to pop anything in the hat on your way out, please do. And we were like, oh, my God. So anyway... We did not be doing that at all. No, no. In the last week, we did it, and we were getting like, like forty quid each at the end of every show, and it was all like our beer money. Like it was like, oh my god, all this time because we just didn't know that you could do that. Yeah, I mean, to clarify for people who've not been to Edinburgh, who they think that this may sound a bit strange or just a one-off, everyone does this. so that yeah. yeah, that's that's mad that you weren't doing that and you were missing out basically because the whole idea of the free fringe is it is pay what you think sort of like you know you can yeah. leave for free but uh, most people enjoy the shows if you're doing a good show like you and uh, Vicky Dick then like you know you would have been receiving cash throughout the, so it was we just the last week our entire Edinburgh. But instead, you know, like in the last week, we started all oh, living like kings in the last week. But we're like just absolute because we just and also we just thought, well, it's free fringe. You can't ask people for money. That's the whole point of it is free. Um, and then we're like, oh, no, it is. That's that's what people do. You're like, oh, blimey. So for two weeks, skin as you like, you know, um, we could have had loads of beer money and then some. But there we go. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind that. of. Yeah, yeah go that- on. The idea of living like kings in Edinburgh Fringe basically does mean you're getting bonus chips and cheese and like, on a Thursday night and a few more pints. But I think with the Edinburgh Fringe, it's really like a comedy school, you know, um, but quite a brutal one, I'd probably say. A bit like an NCS for the performing arts, um, don't you think? Yeah, I think you learn so much there and you learn... You just hone, don't you, and you get better, and it just really does. I think it just prepares you to fight and to. I mean, because I mean, there was. I don't know if you had this, but obviously your faces are on the poster, your faces on the leaflets. You probably didn't do much flyering because you guys didn't need to. You always sold out. But we would we'd be handing out the flyers. <laughs> you said that was like a little bit right, really bitter. <laughs> yeah. You know nothing. <laughs> you know no. nothing of my struggle. Yeah, no. Um, but we, we'd be handing out these leaflets, and you go, "Oh, actually, it's if you want to go box off and say this, it's two for one." So you know, you could say a code and get you know tickets two for one uh, which we often did because we'd actually you know our our attitude would be let's look we've lost all this money let's just get as many people in to watch this show um you know and you get people looking at the flyer going is that you and you go yeah 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 right you're funny um I like to think so tell us a joke then oh we don't really do jokes we do characters <laughs> all right and then just hands a leaflet back I mean I don't know if you ever had that but it was just like a daily it is such a learning curve at Edinburgh. It's brilliant because you get to the point where, especially in comedy, because comedy a lot of the time you can be second-guessing yourself, especially mm. when you're starting off and going, oh, is this right? Am I giving a right? Uh, I'm a funny here. And you yeah. and you sort of are a lot more concerned. And Edinburgh is great because a lot of the time, by the time you get to that third week, you're just going, stuff it. Like yeah. I'm just going to go out there. And I'm giving it big licks for this guy. And you end up learning that if the audience don't laugh at all at a character or a sketch, you kind of laugh to yourself because you're just yeah. like, you went, oh, well, crashed and burned. That's it. And 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 it's sort of okay, isn't it? Like, yes. Yeah, we'd come off loads and sort of be like, oh, blimey, let's get to the bar. <laughs> One of our best shows at Edinburgh, I'll never forget, Gilded Balloon, it was absolutely pissing it down um as always with edinburgh i mostly think of it being just just rain during the festival um <laughs> but this one day was particularly bad and, and it was like we went to the box office and so you've sold four tickets we're like right um okay cool okay so we got our gear on went out in character and we just gave out tickets we're like let's just get give out tickets anyway we ended up getting like another three people in so we had seven in the audience <laughs> And we were like, oh, no. And also, like, we do, we did a bit of our audience participation, you know, getting Brilliant. people up and all that. And <laughs> So by doing that, you halved your audience. Like, yeah, literally, like, five or six people used to get out. I'm like, oh, no, God. <laughs> um, so anyway, but it was one of our best shows. 
and me and Vic talk about it all the time. Do you remember that day when we played seven people and it was like one of the best shows we've ever done? That is such a classic Edinburgh thing that can happen. That you go out and there's just three or four people there, and I mean, I'm I remember coming to see your show and I thought you guys were great and you did songs and it was like like really big loads of energy and everything like so i can just imagine these seven people going holy crap like you know speakers blaring these two lassies rapping and singing when we were at the caves we used to have um oh gosh who's who's the guy that runs the cave daryl daryl would run up all the time goes girls we've got to turn this down because we were just like loud very loud yeah and you're right I mean those seven people they look like oh no what have we got ourselves into here one of our um one of our reviews one of my favorite reviews we ever got was um uh these two were like a couple of cockney birds having a fight outside a kebab shop I thought great we'll take that (laughs) he didn't mean it in a nice way of course (laughs) no I didn't didn't think so Oh my god! We Some of the reviews, we, but we were oh. working class girls with very Cockney accents, and uh, also we were like, I was thirty when I did our first Edinburgh. Vix was thirty-three. We were a bit older, and we weren't so cool. So it was like, if you're going to get an Oxbridge graduate that's you know coming to review these thirty-something Cockney birds, he's never going to understand our humour. He's never going to get it, um, and that's that always surprises me really that. I don't know, reviewers should, I don't know, like it doesn't matter if you don't enjoy a show, but I'd, when you then sort of rip someone apart, their talent apart and the time that they've spent to write this show, you just think like, oh, I don't I don't get their comedy, but I can see that they're good or talented. And that's what I've always found difficult about Edinburgh was that uh, no one could sort of see past our working class Cockney vibe. Not well, that's, that Cockney, really. it's, it's a very strange thing with Edinburgh is that, no matter how good a show, no matter how many five and four stars, you'll always find two stars out there as well. There's so yeah. many reviews and everyone is, there's a lot of opinions flying about. And uh, yeah. And it matters so much, doesn't it? Oh God, what did the skinny say? And no one knows what, I mean, <laughs> my mum's like, what? I'm like, oh, there was a paper called the skinny and they did reviews and you desperately wanted your four or five stars. And and actually, when you get out of the world of Edinburgh, everyone's like, eh, what's that paper? Like, <laughs> but this, the thing about it is, is that actually the skinny was a bit more well-known. Every year you went up, there'd be even more reviewers. Like, you know, you'd get a review from Comedy Chick Chick or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, and yeah. you're or, just or like, biscuit Or something, something biscuit. Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Funny loaf. And you're like, what? <laughs> who's who's funny loaf? And why have they given? They've given us five stars. Let's pop exactly. I know <laughs> comedy biscuit. have given me two stars. I've never heard of them. But funny loaf, <laughs> top of the poster. <laughs> like put that so on. Funny. Oh, uh, no one cared. <laughs> but this is this is it. This is why I think it's. Pro- I love the fact that I've got you on on this podcast um because obviously we we went through edinburgh and we know how crazy it was and how hard work it was mm. um and like i remember like when i met you that you you were saying the two yous were struggling and not having the best time and you've just said about being out there flying in the rain yeah like the guy going oh well tell us a joke and just walking away and handing you back your flyer and you've gone from there little did he know you've gone from there and just absolutely smashed it so it's like there you you go it's it's weird isn't it because I don't I can totally like it's so amazing to look back now and because it's been you know the last few years have been brilliant um to me um you know my my career taking off and stuff um and but I'll never change all of that I just won't change it all you know I can laugh about it and I do wish we'd had a few more brilliant times in Edinburgh like other people had but I don't know maybe it built me to keep fighting because I've had to keep you know beyond the Checkley and Bush years we uh Vic's very much sort of went her own way and she's you know she's an actress and she wanted a life really and to get a mortgage and to get married and stuff because that's the other thing with Edinburgh it just you get to the point where like, I can't actually afford to live for the rest of the year because I've spent so much money it's all consuming show. definitely yeah. it's all in 
You have to that that whole year. I think the weird thing is, is people come up for the month, or they come. People fly in from America and everything. Go, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. And uh, basically, what you don't realize a lot of time is that we've saved up for our whole year, put on credit cards or whatever yeah. it may be, um, to do this show. That, like you say, one one time you had uh, four people in, and then you were like out like, giving away free tickets for the next three. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's a bit insane, really. Um, it is insane but I think like you know like we both said it's it builds you for I don't know I think once you've done Edinburgh and you've done the comedy circuit things are it's the most scariest thing I've ever done doing doing my own writing my own stuff that was the most terrifying experience you'll know when the first time you ever went out and shared your material for the first time it's it's terrifying that that the the first the first sketch, the first night, the first, yeah, that, that, because you're just like, every, you're putting like everything there. And, you know, I've done loads of theatre and, you know, as I know you have, and it's like, it was just like, unlike anything else, there's no one to blame, is there? Well, the direction was terrible. Oh, well, the script was terrible. <laughs> it's and all no on you. It's all on you. And, um, yeah, and so anytime I get a bit terrified going into a big job, you know, with big actors or like big comedians that I really look up to, I just think, you done Edinburgh law, you can do anything. And I always, I, it's my thing, because we didn't have a, an easy ride um, and we didn't get stuff handed to us on a plate. We had zero backing. We got the odd person interested in us, as you go, you know. Um, but I've had to sort of really fight to get where I am now. It's not come easy. And there's been a couple of lucky breaks, of course. But it's about being ready when those breaks come. And I don't think without all of that time doing the circuit, doing Edinburgh, I, I wouldn't have been half as good already, and I think that's the point. It's like being ready when it comes. Yeah, because I, I mean, I remember when I watched your show, and I could see then just how good you were at different characters. And it's funny watching uh, your shows now because I can see bits of those, like the, the performances, and because you've like got such different characters and all the things that you've done. Um, yeah. there's almost like the foundation of Edinburgh uh, was was Definitely, in you without a doubt. The first sort of uh, when I got uh, my first Edge of Heaven that you and I worked together uh, on, um, that character was loosely based on this character I used to do in Checkley and Bush. She was sort of like a hard faced sort of straight talking Cockney. And as soon as I I did that job, I started getting loads of roles that were like a flavour of that character. And I just yeah, knew well, that. And I thought I can improv as her. I can do anything you want as her. So I just kept get, getting jobs that were just like that character that I'd been doing for years on the circuit. Well, that's it's funny you should say that because I was gonna I was gonna ask you about Edge of Heaven because I mean, uh, looking uh, at your CV, uh, it seems that that kind of was was the bit of a break for you. W- would you say that that was a bit of the gear change in your career? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'd been doing little guest parts here and there, but, you know, scene here, scene there, just, you know, jobbing actor. And, well, really, I think, because you know Catherine Willis, she's a casting I was going director. to say, <laughs> it's like Catherine Willis definitely <laughs> yeah. deserves a shout-out at this podcast. Um, she really does. I mean, I I don't, I wouldn't have broken into TV without her. She she got me my first TV casting way back when. Like, it was like a TV drama. And I did about five lines in it, but it was something, it was something on the CV. And um, yeah, I'd known her back from some theatre days, really, because she used to uh, be a casting director at a theatre and a really great friend of my mates. And anyway, she just liked what I did and got me in for the little small roles. And then and then eventually Edge of Heaven came up and it, it actually really weirdly, I'd, Vix and I decided to part ways. And I was really sad about it because I wasn't ready to give up. But she just, she weren't there. And she was like, I've got, I, I can't do it anymore, mate. It's just it's crippling me. I just can't do it. And um, I, I thought, what am I going to do? I felt bereft. I thought, geez, what am I going to do? And then literally the same day that we sort of had that conversation, I got the call from Catherine to say, you're really in the mix. And I've been up for the, the audition. Yeah. Um, you're, in, you're really in the mix of this character. Like it's out of you and another girl. And it's now just about the channel, ITV, clearing it. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I bet she's got more profile than me. I bet she'll get it. Da, 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 da. And anyway, like two days later, I, I got the part. And I just never, I would never have got in that door without Catherine. Um, and I just knew the voice. It was like, as soon as I read the script, I was like, oh my God, this is just like the character that I do on the circuit. I've obviously got to tone her down a bit. Um, 
but yeah so and I improvised in the in the audition it was just it was a great I knew I'd done a good audition I knew you just know don't you when you got you know and you walk in you think yeah I could do this part but it's a real difference when you know oh I'm this part like I just know I am yeah I've spoken to like a few other actors on the, the podcast and and they've all said the same thing about roles that they've got there's this feeling that you have and what I say is like like you really do feel that you're like this is this is a lot of the things I'm really good at this really matches up with me here yeah. um and I and think you, then you know the ones that don't when you're going in thinking oh, I know there's someone else better out there for this I yeah. just know there is I can do it all right I'm all right at it but I yeah, mean, I've had, yeah, I've had times, especially with comedy editions, where sometimes I'm like, I, I don't even know why I'm being, I'm clearly the curveball for this part. I'm not <laughs> sure why they're seeing me for this. Um, also, like at the same time, it's like there's other times when I'm reading something and I don't know the comedy. Have Have you ever had yeah. it with a comedy edition where I'm like, I don't know where the jokes are. Yeah. So how can it's- I do this edition? A hundred percent, yeah. And you're thinking, oh, how can I put my spin on this? Or oh, how can I make this funny? The minute you start doing that, it's game over, isn't it? You just know that you're not the right person for the job. You don't understand yeah. that voice. And yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. You're 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 just at a different page, and you're yeah. like, I should yeah. really just call them before, <laughs> like, just yeah. just say, look, guys, I'm pulling out because I just don't know where the jokes are. I've got Imagine. to be honest. It's just not funny to me. Just to me, it's not funny. I mean, it's probably yeah. funny to somebody, <laughs> imagine. Um, but to, just going back to Catherine Willis, she obviously got the Edge of Heaven. Edge of Heaven was, for me, a massive break because uh, my agent, who I'm still with now, Curtis Brown, they came on set and uh, they were uh, agents of two other people that were in it, uh, Blake Harrison's agent, and... My the producer on Edge of Heaven knew that I'd was sort of thinking about getting a new agent because the agent, the current agent I was with, was a bit musical theatre and theatre and I just wasn't getting the TV castings. So yeah. I knew, and I thought, well, now's the time to make the make the leap. You've got to get that big heavyweight agent. Let's try and make a leap up. So I was I was talking about it with the producer, and then just luckily Curtis Brown came on set and watched me on the monitor and said to one of the producers, "Who's that? She's great." And she, and the producer went, "She's actually looking." for an agent and she said well of course you know I can't poach but if she'd like to drop me an email and of course I did the next day and <laughs> went for a meeting and that's it been with them for the last I want to say well I suppose seven years isn't it because they're having seven years um and that changed the game yeah no Kurt, I mean Curtis Brown are fantastic um I, yeah. I was actually with them for the first six years five six years of my yeah. career um and they are they're, they're such a good agency yeah, and it's whether you grow with someone, isn't it? And that you're, you know, I, I, I believe with all agents, there's like sometimes you just outgrow each other and you move on. But um, yeah, I've been lucky with my agent. We're, you know, the best of pals, and we've been on a really big journey, and she's really, really honed my career. But mostly, I will say that every big job that I've got has been through Catherine Willis. So after Edge of Heaven, there was a bit of a dip because. We obviously didn't get recommissioned. I thought that's my one big opportunity gone. That's it, Laura. It's gone. It's gone. Um, and then Detectorist came up, and Catherine Willis cast that. She got me in the door for that, yeah. and I got it. Um, and then Catherine Willis called me in for um, this pilot of this comedy uh, that uh, King, uh, that Tom Davis and James DeFrond, who both uh, wrote King Gary. Yeah. Um, James is the director. Tom Davis is obviously. Gary he is yes he is Um, Gary uh, I auditioned for a pilot with uh lovely Kathy and uh they they cast me in it uh and then they had an action comedy that they were doing and they loved we just clicked the minute I met Tom and James everything changed and that was three years ago and they didn't care about my profile they didn't care what had come before how I'd got here, whatever, they just really digged my comedy and we dig each other's comedy. Tom is from a very similar background as me and and James and we, the three of us just clicked and they wrote action, they wrote a part in Action Team for me, which is like a spoof comedy. And then they wrote King Gary and said, we'd love you to play the wife and wrote the part for me. I mean, to have a part written for you is the dream, right? And it's that's, that's it, right? Just like so lucky to have met them. But I, I wouldn't have got near them if it wasn't for Catherine I must always 
I mean, Catherine's always like, be quiet now. Just like, I, I know you're... <laughs> Do you shout out to Catherine in every yeah. podcast, every interview? Yeah. I mean, she is amazing. She got, she like, she had me in for quite a few editions, um, like after Ginger Jordy Geek, um, yeah. which is my sketch show, <laughs> if anyone doesn't know yet on this podcast. It was a great sketch show. Um, thank you very much. And uh, she used to get me in for quite, and of course, Edge of Heaven. And uh, she got me in for that, of course, in which I played a soldier who rejected you, um, did. didn't I? Um, Indeed, yeah. It was that... um, it was so lovely to work with you. It was it was so lovely to work together, wasn't it? Because obviously we'd had that time in Edinburgh, but it was so nice to sort of I don't know work together individually, and it was just like a nice sort of rounded moment. It felt like oh, isn't it great? Look, we're both working got some nice oh there's nothing together. there's nothing better when you like you know because everyone's struggling everyone's working away up at edinburgh and like i always thought you were cracking when i came to see uh your uh, sketch act and when i found out that you were on it and you were playing a regular i was just like brilliant and yeah. well deserved like you know where you you know people and you've known them from before and they've not had a big break or something it's not yeah. quite happened or if they've been struggling or whatever and then all yeah. of a sudden it's like bang you're like brilliant because they, they are so nice to see. we're gonna have a bit of a love in now but it's like it's like really nice to see when you guys got commissioned and you got your tv show bbc2 was it it was I yeah um and it was just like both fix and i were just genuinely so pleased for you guys because like you just see the work you know and people go i mean who's that where have they come from it's like been going at the circuit for the last 10 years I saw something on um Twitter the other day someone was talking about some comedians and someone said about Michael McIntyre and had sort of presumed that he'd got there from privilege rah 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 and someone just put underneath he was on the circuit for 10 years he was like, at Edinburgh <laughs> he was yeah. Yeah. And, that's it. and like I, I say that to my partner all the time I'm like oh yeah I used to gig with that person all the time they're like wow you know, and they've like skyrocketed and you're like, yeah, yeah, like everyone, yeah, like it's just takes a long time. No one's really, it's very rare to get someone get there overnight in our world, I think. Yeah, but I think that's why, like, we obviously we started off talking about Edinburgh and I think um, it's kind of key because it, it does show that, you know, it began and, and then Catherine Willis and then Edge of Heaven. And like you say, it's just built and built and built uh, from that. Yeah. Yeah, and I do feel lucky, you know. I feel I feel lucky too because it doesn't. You don't always get those breaks, and you know, I I, I know you've got to get the job, of course, but you've got to get in the you room. You do that. This that, is no, but like you, you've you've impressed people that then have got you in. Then when you've gone in through the door, you've impressed them again. So I don't know. Like I always believe that you that you make your own luck. Yes, like the right part can come along and stuff like that, but you've still got to impress the people to get it. You I know? agree. I agree. Um, I, I don't. I don't feel like I don't deserve it. I will say that. Like I used to have a real problem with that. Going, oh no, little old me. I'm just lucky to be here. But actually, <laughs> if I'm really honest, I'll say to my really good mates, oh, sorry, but I've I've earned I've earned this. <laughs> so yeah, no, I've, I've so you should. So it's, yeah, I've got better at saying those sort of things, really. And I mean, I'm I don't care anymore. <laughs> We'll go. We'll go through a bit more of your career and the things you've done because you really have done, um, a, just a list of hit comedy shows and whether it be a cameo or like one. I mean, it's great, like you say about King Gary and Action Team and Detectorist, which really mm-hmm. took off. Um, I think it was is it BBC Four? Um, it was, yeah, yeah. It never ventured from BBC Four, which was lovely, yeah. But also, I mean, you've been part of or little things in sort of like W1A and This Country and even Bridget Jones and Red Dwarf, which yeah. came back. I mean, to be in Red Dwarf, which was like I a know, huge that... show for us growing up. I know. Um, that, it was, um, that was a, I, I would have taken it if it was one line, of course. Um, but yeah, I got to be a mechanoid. So it was like, are you kidding? <laughs> even better. <laughs> That was quite an experience. It was live studio audience as well. I've never done that before, and that's oh right, really. Yeah, it's um, it's so weird. It's it's amazing, but it's like going on stage and not being quite rehearsed enough. That's the only way I can explain. <laughs> oh no, it is. It is a. But I also think for me, when I did it, it was my favorite thing because it was like the best of both worlds. It Isn't was like. It just- 
I've got a live audience that I can really get that rapport with and you get when things are working, but at the same time, you can use the camera. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, really is best of both worlds. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Do you guys do live studio audience on your sketch show for some of the sketches? Yeah, Yeah, half of it was uh, location and half was live studio. Um, So, like, all the big dance routines at the end and stuff like we would always have audiences in. That's Um, the dream, isn't it, to have your own stuff on telly? That's amazing. Yeah, no, it was it was a, a mind blowing uh, couple of years, uh, and you you, you <laughs> because you're like that. There's certain sketches where you're like, I I mean, I wrote this in my bedroom when, <laughs> like, you know, in 2008, and now five years later, uh, BBC yeah. are like going. So, how big do you want the seagull costume? <laughs> like what? And they're like, do you want a, a ten inch beak? Or a five-inch beak, and I'm, I'm like, hey, because obviously in Edinburgh, you know yourself, like you, you just buy something from a fancy dress shop. Yeah. You, you, you don't really change costume much because it's really quick. So you're no, just throwing a little beak over it? your yeah, yeah. yeah. A wee I mean, beak. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just chuck a wee beak over my nose, and to be honest, most of the time it was a crow beak, and I was trying to be a seagull. I, went, like, I couldn't afford a seagull beak. <laughs> Edinburgh um, wigs and Edinburgh costumes are just the best thing in sketch shows. Just so funny. What well, you look back at them and <laughs> your your idea of what represents a character is amazing. It's just so funny. The, the, the tiniest nod towards something. Yeah. Um, but um, to, I mean, obviously, you've had uh, wonderful success um, over the past sort of let's say sort of for five six years um but through through all that maybe even before um was it did you have a a terrible addition at all what what would you say is your worst addition uh that you've had um do you know what audition always springs to mind um so uh, it was an advert casting um i'm oh, sure you've been right. many of them. um and they're like Advert castings are just a totally different beast, aren't they? Um, yes. And often when I'm going up for an advert, it's sort of, um, oh, you know, they want comedy chops. Uh, so you're often in the room with your other comedy pals. And it's always quite nice to see people, actually. But this one advert, I can't remember what it was for. All I knew is that we had to improv at the end. And there was about, there was three others in the room and me, so four of us in total, and the casting director just said at the end, like, you know, just you're dancing, you're in a club and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I just spotted this broom in the corner and I thought, oh, I'm going to use that. And um, I thought I'll just pole dance around it. So I start, I grab the broom and I start gyrating up against the broom and I get a little laugh and that's like, you know, red, red rag to a bull. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> so I really went for it. And- what a <laughs> I thought they're loving it. They are loving it. So I thought I'm just going to try and sort of swing round it, like it is, you know, like I'm a pole, like I'm on a pole. And I sort of, really weirdly, kind of jumped up and hugged my legs round it, and sort of balanced there for a couple of seconds. But then it snapped clean in half, and I just hit the deck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the other, and the other actors are like. I didn't know whether to say you're all right because it, it just snapped. It was a wooden one as well. So it like really, like I really nipped my leg as well. So I was trying to pretend I was fine. I was like, oh, and sort of rolling around on the floor, styling it out. And then we <laughs> but just. you're actually in real pain. Yeah, pinched, like, you know, got a little pinch mark on the inside of my thigh. Needless to say, I didn't get the job. But I'll never forget that because I thought, well, Laura, why have you done that? Why did you do that? Gyrating because... was enough. <laughs> because you got the laugh. And, uh, uh, That's it, yes, right? uh, when anyone's got sort of comedy bones in them, they hear that laugh, and it's just like, "All right, yeah, you like else? a bit of that?" Then here we go. I know. Um, and then, listen, and unfortunately, I'm yeah. no, I'm no waif. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a decent sized girl, so I don't know why I thought that broom would hold me. Um, well, you, but... you were on a broom, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean. And also the balance, like why? <laughs> I can't imagine. I held it. I think I, I think in my head, I thought I held it for longer than actually I probably did. I was literally just there like a beat, and then it snapped. But it was just so embarrassing. I was so mortified. And that, yeah, no I mean, one else that... knew how to save me other than, oh, you're all right at the end. Yeah, I'm fine. Sorry about the broom. And you're walking out the room going, thank you so much. You can see the guy picking up the broom thinking, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> 
this is what adverts do because adverts you've 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 got like a minute and it's basically it's just like bang make the impression and usually yeah. it's like a little sort of sketch like you say it's usually they're almost like sketches um so you've just got go in do a character make them laugh and you might just land this big 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 wage packet really yeah, I mean, that's, that's, all you, the, that's all you want um, isn't it and yeah so you just sort of throw everything at it don't you and I just thought I bet no one's done that well I'm sure they did I didn't get the job <laughs> I'd well, love to see that tape though I would love to see I can't even remember who was casting it oh there'll, there'll be advert gold everywhere I mean I had a friend um and she she was going in uh for this uh advert edition and uh, she was going in for this. Uh, it was, you know, advert editions don't mess around. It was sort of like beautiful, stunning lady sits down, you know, is eating a bowl of special K. And she sat down and went straight through the chair. And it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like um, okay, uh, for this, I think I'll leave. That'll do. Okay, no problem. I broke the seat when I was eating special K. I mean, so, usually I'd be like, great, I'll use this now. I've gone through it. But in the adverts, it's like no one's – it's like they're just sort of – especially if the clients are sat there, you know, like the um, – what was that, the Special K clients, the people that own Special K, sort of don't laugh. It's like, oh, dear, she's broken the chair. How much would that cost, you know, to pay the studio? Yeah, exactly. They just, they just go, <laughs> they just go, thank you very much, Laura. I know. Um, and you make a joke to try and cut – that's what I was doing about with the, with the broom. I was like, oh, dear. I said, someone needs to lay off the biscuits, and just no one said nothing. They're just like <laughs> – Okay, thanks so much. Is your leg okay? Yes, I'm fine. Yeah. Sorry about the broom. You know, just so, so awful. Yeah. I remember on the talk about falling through chairs. I my first day of I did. Uh, I used to do musical theatre way back when, and I was in a musical called Gone with the Wind, and it was uh, Trevor Nunn was directing it. So Trevor Nunn, All right. and so um, Trevor Nunn, yeah, right. Get me. And I it was maybe like the first week of rehearsals definitely wasn't feeling comfortable with anyone particularly Trevor Nunn um and I had to kind of really go for it I was doing this silly giddy character and she sort of twirled away and then had to sort of land on this 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 chair this wooden chair and it was like the first thing I'd done in front of Trevor Nunn and I just thought go for it or really impress him come on you, you want him to think you're brilliant and so I just really went for it and threw myself on this chair and it just the leg just snapped off and I just landed on my ass and I just was like, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? Like, <laughs> and, and, and then every time we did the scene, he'd go, just take it easy on this one, Laura. And you're like, yeah, no, I was. Yeah, sure. Just like, yeah, oh. All right, Trev. Like, I just got excited once. You don't have to I say know. it any time I go near furniture. Literally okay. every time I went near furniture, it became a joke. <laughs> like, oh, careful, Laura's here. And it just be like, oh, no. And oh, as a no. lady as well, falling through a chair, it's not great for the ego. <laughs> <laughs> that there's just yeah, and there's nothing you could do. It's like it's happened. No, ground swallow you up. Yeah, so that was kind of my worst audition, I think. Oh, I think adverts can all. There's always a danger with adverts. It's always ready to happen anytime you go through an advert <laughs> door, waiting for you. Definitely. So, did you train in musical theatre? I did. My path's so weird. Well, it's not weird. It's just it's just how it happened. I. I went to a dance school when I was younger because my mate on my road said, oh, there's a dance school around the corner. And it just happened to be like Bonnie Langford's mum's dance school. So they were sort of in the know a bit and did shows and learned how to dance. And I just loved it. I fell in love with performing, really. But I always wanted to, I was always got given the comedy number and always got, you know, I was always making people laugh. And I was obsessed with French and Saunders growing up. I wanted, always wanted to be in a double act. That was my thing. Right from a young age, I knew I wanted to be in a double act. It's weird, isn't it? But No, I think you just get drawn to stuff. Um, as a child, you sort of get told what you should like or do sometimes. It's kind of like you should yeah. be doing this and learning this so that you can go on and do this. Yeah. But you always have in you what you actually genuinely love. Yeah, I'm um, just obsessed with French and Saunders and, you know, Victoria Wood and Julie Walters, just obsessed with that. Um, but sort of got sidetracked into doing a bit of dancing because when you were younger, you just sort of went, I just wanted to perform. I was like bursting to perform. And then they sort of, from that, I sort of learned about a thing, place called the Brit School, which was like a, the only, it's like, I think it still is, the only non-fee-paying performing arts school about. So I went there like in my A-level years. And yeah. um, 
and it's amazing there that school they really really sort of celebrate the working class kids there's a lot of raw talent there with no one knows what to do with it and then they sort of guided me to drama school and I was I could just always sing and dance because that's what I'd done as a youngster and it felt like yeah and I went I went I auditioned for RADA because I was desperate I wanted to act I wanted to I didn't I didn't really want to do musical theatre like I had a good voice it was all right I could dance a bit but yeah and and then I got a scholarship at uh, Mountview which is you know one of the top leading musical theatre drama schools so I went where the scholarship was really and I did really like it at Mountview I loved it there I had an amazing three years but I remember in my first year I went to my head of musical theatre and I said I'm I'm in the wrong world here can I can I move over to acting please and he said no you're so brilliant no no don't do that and and he sort of talked me around in a good way because he just thought I was brilliant at what I did and um yeah, yeah I, I mean he could have turned around and gone good choice I, I was about to say actually we yeah. made a huge mistake yeah you're tone deaf we need to uh yeah and I just um yeah and, and just the whole time in drama school felt felt very frustrated all the time having to do dance and and any singing I just wanted to act all the time but I also just wanted to be funny um so yeah. I got sidetracked and pulled away from it all the time even though you know that's where my heart was but I also wanted to perform I loved performing so I thought well, this will do you know I'll just do musical comedies I can still be funny singing and dancing and then did a few jobs and it was actually when I did Gone with the Wind I sat in the dressing room and I just thought I don't I'm really not enjoying this. I should be loving my life. I'm in the West End. I'm working with Trevor Nunn. Like, I should be really happy, and I'm not. I feel really, really unfulfilled. I could be working at Tesco's. Like, I don't – I could be doing any job. So I'd met Vix. Uh, We'd done this really shit Christmas job together that closed before Christmas. It was a disaster. And we um, (laughs) – We did a Christmas job. We did a Christmas show that closed before Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you thought that's what like us two clearly work well together i know we let's did, do we something did, like these sketch characters that everyone liked and someone turned around and said we were like french and saunders and of course like for me it was like really do you think that right oh, we should work <laughs> together because i'm desperate to be in a double act and yeah and then i gave her a call and we used to like write silly stuff and we made each other laugh a lot um but you know, right at the beginning, it was all through just, you know, sat around a pub table, plenty of wine and making each other laugh. And then I just phoned her in the dressing room one day. I went, I'm, I'm done. I, can we book a, let's just book a gig. And I'd done in my time doing musical theatre, I'd done News Review, which is yeah. a musical review show. Um, and um, I'd done that sort of a few years out of drama school. Um, and I did that because I was so desperate to do comedy and someone had told me about it and you could sing and be funny and do impressions. And, and I said to Vix, look, I know I've worked at the Canal Cafe because that's where they do news review. Um, we could get a gig there. I know the people there. So we just booked in an hour gig and wrote a show. And that's how it started. And, you know, mates thought it was funny, so we did some more. And then luckily through another friend, I met a mate that was gigging on the circuit and she was running a night and she got us on there. And then, you know so on and so forth we started running our night and that was it it was like then I left musical theatre I, I, I dropped my agent and just literally went and full focus into Checkley and Bush and getting into breaking into comedy that's that's yeah so and before you knew it you'd yeah. left the West End and you were in the rain <laughs> on the Royal Mail of Edinburgh <laughs> handing out soggy flyers <laughs> I know to people who didn't want them. I know. I did once say in a in a real moment with Vix. I mean, I used to be in the West End, <laughs> like being <laughs> it pissing down with rain. I looked at Vix. I was like, I am sick of this. I said, I used to be in the West End <laughs> <laughs> with some Trevor Nunn. Yeah, with some Trevor Nunn. Yeah, look at me now. It's like a lifetime ago, and I never. I don't regret it because you know I, I teach a lot of musical theatre students now. It's like my side job teaching when I'm not working. I love it and I wouldn't be able to do it if I hadn't trained in it. I wouldn't understand the world at all. And obviously me and Vix, we were quite musical with our act. So it's definitely, you know, I look back now, but it was, um, yeah, I do often wonder like, oh God, you know, what if I'd have just, you know, decided what I wanted to do a bit earlier. But, you know, everyone's path is everyone's path, isn't it? 
Oh, yeah. But, I mean, in a way, it's kind of come full circle for you, hasn't it? Because I was watching Knives Out and I saw a trailer on before it and military wives came up and there was your face on the big screen. I know. Um, So tell us about that. Because that, for me, that just looked like a film straight away. I was like, oh, I really want to watch this. This looks great. Oh, it's great that you say that because I always think it would appeal just more to... Well, women really. I was thinking you know, your mums and whatever. So it's really nice to it's really nice to hear guys say that they like enjoy it. Um, it's a lovely story. It's a beautiful story. Yeah, it, it's so weird, isn't it? That full circle thing because I thought well, the first audition was you had to sing on tape because even though we had to appear like we were like a cat's choir at the beginning, we also then for the last uh, song have to sound good. So everyone had to hold a tune and harmonies yeah. and stuff. So they needed. They needed half decent singers, and we did have pro singers with us as well. There was lots of um, like session singers with us and West End performers to sort of bulk up the sound. Um, right. Thank God we had them actually, to be honest. But yeah, all the all the <laughs> actresses like us, sort of main ten, um, we could all hold a tune. Um, and so yeah, I had to put myself on tape singing. That was the first thing um, that we all had to do. Um, and then we went in and read script and, um, yeah, and uh, then got the job. And I just, I thought, oh, I, I just, yeah, I couldn't believe it, to be honest. And the it was quite improvised, some of the script. And so that obviously so it was like all these worlds crossing over. And I felt it was wonderful. And I actually really fell in love with singing again because I had fell out of love with it for such a long time because I didn't want to do it. Um, yeah, because you... Yeah, because you were obviously had have such a passion for comedy. Yeah, um, that you were fighting to get into that world. Um, that now it was probably yeah, it was quite nice to go back. Yeah, um, it was. It's and not just with it just being in a film. The to be on set with that um, those women, and particularly those women, it was just like definite highlight for me because. We just, it was just a perfect job where everyone just got on and, but not not only that, then some, we adored each other, we spent some time up north and we all stayed in a big farmhouse and we all got really close and it was just a joy. So when we watched it, when we went to the premiere and that was like, you know, stuff of dreams going to a premiere, isn't it? Um, yeah. But then you know you get you get on the red carpet. You have your pitch taken, then the, all the security going. Can you move along, girls? Can you move quickly, quickly? Like, oh, Christ, <laughs> isn't it? as I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to stop and chat to people, and you know you just sort of rushed through, and um, it was really <laughs> cold, and <laughs> my feet were really hurting. And um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really really special job for many reasons, and and then sitting and watching it was really emotional for us because singing for us was really exposing like some of us weren't yeah. confident singers at all I was um and that you know often I had all the girls coming to me going oh Laura what's the harmony for this and it was great because at, at drama school I wasn't that person I weren't the person you went to for harmonies I never knew you know I was like a nightmare I was like I don't know um but yeah it was um yeah I fell in love with singing again and we we had to have rehearsals we had rehearsals in recording studios we worked we met and worked with Guy Chambers who wrote the final him and Robbie Williams wrote the final song and we sat in the studio singing the song with Guy Chambers playing the piano and you think what is this life this is this <laughs> is amazing the, do you know that's that's what I love about when I speak to people on these podcasts and I've met them um like at the beginning of their career or when they're fighting like um like we talk about Edinburgh with yourself. There was another guy I worked on a perfumery hall counter. You know, you're just doing these odd jobs or yeah. you're just starting out. And then to get to the places that, you know, you end up achieving. It is amazing. It is pinch yourself. I do remember exact same with me when I when I did do the BBC show. And I was sort of like, what? what? Like, you know, yeah. and they were like announcing. They were like, ladies and gentlemen, here they come. And it was like, what is this about? It's you know, so it's very, very surreal. And it comes um, to... I don't know how you are in those moments, but I have to really start. It's better now I'm older to just sit and enjoy it. Try and enjoy this, Laura. Enjoy it. Stop thinking about it. Don't overthink it. Don't think about what's next. Just enjoy this. And I did that on that job. We had such a laugh. I've never laughed so much on set. I've never laughed so much. It was just, it just brilliant. And yeah, it's, 
I, I'm a, I'm terrible for th- overthinking and going, oh, well, you know, that was a terrible day filming and da-da-da-da. And I think that's what makes us good as well, you know, being so critical. But just try and enjoy the good stuff because it don't I come think, along yes. that often, does it? And Yeah, no, I mean, I always remember the, like... There was me and uh, Bobby the Geordie and Kevin the Geek, and it was just before we were about to go out, and Kevin was so nervous, and Bobby was going over his line so much, and I was like, boys, I was like, you know it. Do you know why you know it? Because we wrote it 10 years ago, and we've been saying it every day ever since to numerous audiences. I was like, let's go out and just enjoy this. Yeah, Um, and you'll know, like, some of your best gigs would have been when you're all, you know, all three of you, all four of you. Is it three or four of you? Three? Three. Well, there's three of us on stage, but there was four writers. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's me and Vix were always at our best when we were both just having a nice time. Take the pressure yeah. off. And just have a good time. Um, Basically, yeah. Like you know, when you've had about five or six pints, um, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, the performance was wonderful. Yeah, I remember our first gig. I think Vix had about six, six or seven JDs and cokes. <laughs> And now this. she's not. A, yeah. She doesn't drink at all. But back then, like, we were uh. like half cut on our first, um, <laughs> our first gig. <laughs> Which like... loads of people do in Edinburgh. But if your show goes elsewhere, it's like, oh right, I can't. What well, I can't have a beer now. All oh, right, okay, yeah. cool, cool. No beer for this. All oh, right, yeah. Oh, no, you need um, it. <laughs> no, I was like, that's that's how I got my best performance. Did, have you have you ever had a moment, um, sort of on stage or on set or wherever it may be, where uh, like it's just gone completely tits up for you? Um, yeah, there's you... been there's been quite a few occasions, but the one that sticks out to me, and I think it's because it's probably most recent. So when I uh, when I finished Action Team. I was asked to do this play. My mate was directing it at the Southwark Playhouse. It's, uh, it's called Mother Courage, big old bricked uh, play, which was, you know, like three and a half hours long or something. Um, and she really wanted me to play this part. I really liked the part. I was desperate to play it. And I hadn't done a play in so long. I hadn't done anything like that for so long. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. But it meant because I was filming, I was only going to get 10 days rehearsals and the rest of the cast had like three weeks or something. Um and it was like one of the first previews. So everyone was a bit shaky and nervous anyway. But me particularly, I thought, oh, fuck, I really do feel like I've only had 10 days here. You know, and you just yeah. don't quite feel ready. And I've <laughs> never done a run without sort of fudge. I think I'd done one run previous, like maybe the dress run where it had gone all right. And I thought, oh, okay, this is all right. I'll be okay, I'll be okay. Um, and I'm stood on, say, Josie Lawrence was playing Mother Courage. And the two her and I had to do this scene where her son was about, is about to get shot or killed and I'm running back and forth trying to barter the people to not kill him, blah, blah, blah. So it's a bit of a on and off, on and off um, kind of scene. Yeah. And I ran off and I was like, it's going, it's good, it's good. I always had a thing about this scene. It was just hard. It was like different. It was like, it felt like the same thing over and over, but with different words. So it was just like a bit one of those, you know. Yes. You needed to know inside out. And I got on, so I ran on. And I just looked at her and I started the first, maybe the first two lines and she looks at me, I'm looking at her and I just went, I don't know. I just shouted out, I don't know. Looking at her, shaking my head, I don't know. And she's looking at me. And now Josie is like, incredible improviser, thank God. Um, and, but you know, she's got like three and a half play, which she, three and a half hour play where she never leaves the stage and she's having to try and drag the scene back for me because I've forgotten the line so she's going uh is it something about the uh the 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 money or the whatever the and 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 then she got me back on track but it felt like it honestly felt like about 10 minutes or and I I must have said I don't know about three or four times I don't know I just I just don't know the thing Uh, Brett it's a it's a language you can't just start improvising and making stuff up I mean Josie did but she's just really clever and like she just she just like got us out of it anyway I get off stage and Josie comes off and I'm thinking oh no and I just went straight up to her and we both at the same time went I'm so sorry was it me so she thought she'd gone I knew I'd gone I was like no it was me she went oh my god I thought it was me so (laughs) blessed you know like it was but I think the worst about is I've never ever I've never forgotten my lines 
on stage, touch wood, other than that moment. And I've, I've mad, never felt it? anything like it. If I forgot my, I forgot my lines a lot when we were doing Checkley and Bush, but it wouldn't matter. We'd muck about. No one knew the script. No one knew the story or what was supposed to happen. So we could just muck about and get back on track. Um, but with a play, you can't do that. You can't, it's certainly not Brecht either. And I was just, I just, just utter fear. I, I, yeah. Well, that's it. And what always happens as well is your brain just like falls out your head. Yeah. Um, and then you go, so, "What's going to happen? The... What's going to happen if neither of us can remember what? What are we going to do? We're going to have to stop. Like, what are we? And they're, that, they're the things that are going through your head instead of going like, "Laura, trace back to the story. Where are we? What have you just said?" Instead of that calm voice taking over, you just going, "Oh no." And I just thought I could run off here. <laughs> you really covered off. it well. I, I like the fact that your choice of words was, I don't know. <laughs> that was... I know. That was the worst. I, just, I don't know. Like, literally. <laughs> so awful. You're like, you're like one of those people on the game shows where they like, you can see that they just <laughs> blank and they're just like, pass, pass, yeah, pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that it was ter- It was really terrifying. I've got to say, and I think because I hadn't done stage in a long time for that, that for then just after quite seriously, I got, I got major stage fright after that for a bit. I was in, and particularly when I'd get to that scene, I'd get the fear and I just had to have a word to myself because that scene was like, I was keeping me up at night for the, you know. So I've seen some amazingly, conf- like some of the most confident performers and articulate people have have that anxiety when, once once it sets in. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to shake because that is a thing. I think a lot of people, obviously, they watch actors and they think, Wow, how do you just like get up there and like everything goes so smoothly all the time? Um, like, it and it's doesn't. Like, <laughs> I think what this podcast is showing. No, <laughs> it does. but that was really yeah. horrible. That that mother courage. <laughs> and actually, I said to my agent after we finished mother courage, I said, oh, "I've done my bit of stage now for a bit. I'll go back to telly because I can say cut and I've forgotten. It don't matter." <laughs> that is the amazing. Like on telly, you can let, yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. See, when you do telly for so long, you. You're good at repeating it, but you you've got always got that backup. You go, it doesn't matter if I mess up because we can just start again. Yeah, and you can, it it can com- make yeah. you lazy. And I think then you learn you learn differently in telly. Like your muscle memory is different. So then when you do theatre, it's like it's a different it's a yeah it's a different technique of remembering and holding on to it and repeating that performance over and over again. Yeah, no, it's a, it is a very, very different thing, like that mental sort of thing of like chuck in the lines, do the scene, and then forget about them. That's it, done. Yeah. All right, um, Laura Checkley, that seems to be last order. So we're going to do some quick fire questions so that we can go and get our final pint of San Miguel in. Lovely. All right, here we go. First up, do you have a hidden talent? Uh, yes. Do you want to know what it is? Yes. Quick for it. Yes, I'm good at football. You're good at football? Yeah, mate. Oh, that's right. I had a question from someone actually online. They said, uh, what do you think of Jurgen Klopp? I think he's a hero and uh, I'm totally in love with him. Like, I think he's incredible. Yeah, we wouldn't have done it without him. There we go. <laughs> Just added into the old quickfire last order <laughs> questions there. Um, next up, do you have a guilty pleasure? Um, oh, uh, oh, God, I'm terrible at this quick round. Uh, uh, yes, I sniff everything. Oh, that what? sounds really grim. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, not everything you understand. You? I'm not going to come up to you and just sniff you, but like, <laughs> like I'll take my socks off. I'll sniff them. I want to know how they smell. I want to know how I smell. <laughs> oh <move> God! <laughs> Warning for anyone who sees Laura Checkley in the street: she may sniff. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you? What? What? What pet hate do you have? Uh, I don't like an adult on a scooter. Sorry. Is it, is it the businessman cutting through London? Yeah, sort of that push kind, you know, the push scooters. And they and they always, always, like, you know, whack your bag off your shoulder or they're weaving in there. It's like, get off the pavement and walk. What are you doing? You're not 12. Get off your scooter. That's how I feel. 
<laughs> okay, so basically, businessmen and scooters watch out for Laura Checkley. She may beat you up, and, and anyone else, you. she may sniff you. <laughs> um, next up, your favourite actor. Uh, Robert De Niro. Good shout, classic. And favourite actress. Um, Julie Walters. Ah, oh, Julie Walters. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, here we go. Um, I think I might know this one already from what we've talked about. But who was your idol growing up? So many. Like, can I have a few, or do I have to have one? Um, I will I'll give us your few, and then you must decide on which one. Okay, so I've got a top. I've got Kathy Burke. She's up there. She still is. Always will be. Julie Walters, Victoria Wood, and Dawn French, Jennifer Saunders. But if I had to really narrow it down, like if I if I if I met this person now, I would lose my shit. It would probably be Kathy Burke. Kathy Burke. Yeah. Okay. There we go. She is. She is brilliant. Yeah, I just love everything about her. And finally, if you were not uh, an actress, what would you be? Well, I think. I'm hoping I'd probably be somewhere in the sporty world because I had to decide when I was younger about playing football or um, uh, or carrying on with my acting and performing. So, and I did. I obviously chose performing. So I'd always have that moment in my head. I think I wonder if 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 when I'd pick if I'd have picked football, what my you know life might have looked like. Um, but you were like really high level, like football. Well, I used to play for um, Brentford as a kid. And then I got scouted for Arsenal. And, yeah, so I was pretty good. But everything started clashing and my mum was like, you know, you need to decide. Like, you just need to decide. It's all getting a bit much. So, yeah, and I just, at the time, especially when I was back, you know, when I was 14 when that happened, there wasn't really any money in English uh, women's football. There is now. It's brilliant. But you, you'd yeah. have to have gone to America or Spain to, to earn any money. I, I mean, I would have loved to have been a footballer, but I was nowhere near good enough. Oh, you're not. <laughs> no. Sadly, I like that pity there. <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> but you're not, Graham. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. Um, thank you very much, Laura Checkley, for coming on to A Performer, A Paint and A Pod. Oh, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. It's been so nice to catch up, actually. So there we go, that was Laura Checkley from Breaking Brooms in Additions, Furniture on the West End and having only seven people in an audience to starring in The Detectorists, King Gary, Action Team and hit movie Military Wives. She's a brilliant comedy actress who has a strange passion for sniffing. Watch out for Laura's very own podcast, The Proper Class Podcast, coming soon. I'll be meeting fantastic performers in the pub over the next few weeks and months with career-defining moments and secrets from behind the scenes. So make sure and don't miss out by subscribing to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod and follow at Performer Pint on socials. I've been your host, Graham Rooney. Thank you for listening. Please do rate and review. I'd love to hear your thoughts, unless, of course, you don't like me then please do keep them to yourself. And remember, no one likes a stingy mate at the pub. So, share the pod with friends and family. See you next week. <laughs>